Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I just watched six episodes of a television show called Angie Tribeca. Uh, It's on TBS. It stars Rashida Jones, who you may know from Parks and Recreation, and probably lots of other things that I can't remember right now, but Parks and Recreation is... Uh, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, if not my favorite. Uh, so that's kind of my my touchstone for where I know her from. Uh, but it also features Jerry Burns as the commissioner. Uh, oh gosh, Alfred Molina. I was going to say Doctor Octopus. Alfred Molina is in it. Uh, tons, amazing cast, great guest stars, and it's basically a modern version of Police Squad. Which, if you don't know, is what the Naked Gun movies are from. Police Squad was a television show before there was ever a Naked Gun movie. And it's the same stuff. Literally a lot of the same jokes made it from the show into the movie, uh, as, as happens when things like that occur. But this is the closest thing to the Zucker Brothers sensibilities that I have seen that isn't actually the Zucker Brothers. Uh, you know, we've had Im- uh, sad, sad, pathetic imitators doing things like Scary Movie and, and uh, you know, that sort of stuff for years. And they're all absolutely fucking terrible. And Angie Tribeca is great. It's a cop show. Uh, Rashida Jones is the main character. But the reason that I watched it is because Dion Cole was on my my favorite podcast, uh WTF with Mark Marin, which I highly recommend. As soon as you're done listening to this one, go check out some Marin. But Dion Cole was on there, and I'm a huge fan of his from Conan. Uh, I've seen a little bit of his stand-up, but not a ton. And he's starting to show up in a lot of stuff on television because people are like, oh, this Dion Cole guy is pretty damn funny. And he's he's a supporting character on Angie Tribeca. He, he has a dog partner and is just great. But he mentioned it on... Marin, and I was aware of the show, but I didn't really know what it was. And he said it's like Naked Gun, and immediately I was like, "Oh, check check that on on my things to do list. I've got to check it out." And I'm glad I did. Uh, the TBS On Demand has well, okay, Comcast On Demand has the first five episodes of the first season, of which there are ten episodes, and then five episodes of the second season, which just started this month. So they may only be up to five episodes at this point. But I bet if you go to the TBS website, you might be able to watch them all, which I'm going to have to do. But I watched uh, the first five and then the first episode of the second season just because I I wanted to keep going. And it's just hilarious. It's killing me. It took about two episodes for them to figure out what their riff on that Zucker Brothers style was because there were a couple of things that fell a little flat, a couple of things that would have been funny in the 80s but maybe weren't. You know what I mean? Like That tone is a very specific thing that I think is hard to catch and 
they've they've found their way. It's hilarious. I I was laughing out loud uh, many many times. There's some great lines in it. Uh, there's at one point Dion's character is is comforting Rashida Jones' character, and he says, "You know what always makes me feel better? A bag of dicks." And then pulls out a big bag that says Dick's Barbecue. And it's it's dumb, but, man, that stuff makes me laugh. And, and it's a lot of that. A lot of it's really clever. A lot of it's sight gags. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. They really have modernized the Zucker Brothers' sensibilities and, and brought them into the modern day. I'm super impressed with it. I absolutely love it. So check it out, you guys. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I want to put over patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker, which I never refer to as supportphantom.com, which our good buddy Sean went to the trouble of setting up as, I guess you go there and it links you to the Patreon page. So supportphantom.com, which would be easier for me to say, so I'm a dum-dum for not saying it, but July starts today. You can get in on July's rewards, and I'll be honest with you guys, uh, I have not... Ben is on it. You're still getting about two exclusive podcasts over there a month. And I obviously am still sending out whatever rewards are necessary. But as far as the site itself, Patreon is not as conducive to what I do as far as posting content. So I can't really do toy reviews over there. I'm having to figure out different ways to do exclusive things. And the podcast seems to be the best one so far. But there is still the Needless Things mystery box that's going out each and every month. And that's for 30 bucks or more. You get a mystery box every month. And, and you know, I say 30 bucks, You're getting well over $30 worth of merchandise. Uh, but I'm paying shipping out of that, too. So you're, you know, 8 bucks probably to ship this stuff out. So I'm only getting 22 of that 30, which is why it's 30 and not 20. Uh, and there, there are other reward levels. You can throw me a dollar. If you enjoy this show, send me a dollar, $1. If everybody that listened to this show sent me a dollar, I could quit my day job. No kidding. Uh, but anyway, Go to supportphantom.com, uh, patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker, whatever, and check it out and decide if I'm worth a buck. And if, if you don't have a dollar, and believe me, I understand that, uh, just share it. Tell your friends about it. Tell your rich friends about it. Uh, finally, my last topic before we get into today's conversation is that I think I'm sick. I don't know. Well, no, I know. I mean, I know I'm sick. I know I don't feel well because I'm tired all the time and my throat has been hurting sort of on and off for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but it's that annoying kind of sick where I'm not sick enough to miss work or to feel like I really need to go to the doctor. But I know there's something wrong. I know I'm not motivated. I know I'm tired. Uh, the other day I just slept all day. It was stupid. Uh, and this has been going on for a couple or more weeks. And I, I know I need to go ahead and just go to the doctor. But I feel like as long as I can go into work, as long as I can talk for the podcast, like why am I going to go give the doctor 30 bucks? Which, by the way, when 10 years ago, gosh, 10 years ago, when I first started this job, it was 15 bucks was my copay for a regular doctor appointment. Now I'm paying 30. Uh, it's increased by 100%. As have all of our medical bills. And you guys know, I'm not going to get political on this show, but 
there is a big old heaping pile of bullshit there when the already excessively expensive medical stuff, healthcare stuff, costs twice as much now. Prescriptions twice as much. Regular doctor visits twice as much. Uh, that's we, we have not made positive changes, and that's all I'm going to say. Well, no, I'll also say this, and it does not look like any positive changes are going to be made in the near future because we currently have two of the most vile, disgusting, disreputable buffoons I've ever seen in my life running for the presidency, and I couldn't be more depressed. And I guess people have felt like this before, but I can't get behind either one of these fuckbags, and it's really horrifying to me. Uh, and, and there you go. There's my political rant for the year. Probably not for the year, because we're not even doing the election yet. I'm sure... Would you guys want to hear a political episode? I don't think any, you know, I don't want to get into personal beliefs or anything, but but I don't know, maybe I could have people smarter than me on that could talk about specifics. Uh, that could be interesting. Or if I can ever convince my dad to actually do an episode, which I've been trying for a couple of years now, and he's not shy, but I think he's just afraid, like, he's going to reveal some crazy secret or something i don't know i he but he's clearly just the mention last last time we visited just the mention of us sitting down just to have a talk because uh, he's had an interesting life and he he went into this really bizarre recollection of 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 uh working for a laundry delivery service and i was like what what are you doing we're not recording. It was it was weird. So maybe I'll get him on here. But if I do, you guys are going to hear a political discourse. And I would guess the majority of you would not like it. Uh, so anyway, that's all I got today. As you can tell, I'm pretty peppy. I don't feel horrible. I'm just, I just want to lay down and, and have a hauls. I just need a lozenge. So I'm going to wrap this thing up. I'm going to play you a little bit of music. And you are going to get to hear... A pretty interesting crew this time. Mr. Bo Brown, head of research Ryan Schweck, and Mr. R.T. Yule returning to the show. And we're going to be talking about Nickelodeon in the 80s. That's right, the first channel made for kids. And uh, certainly the heyday for those of us that are around my age, which it turns out I was the oldest guy on the show, which didn't, as you guys know from listening, I've been reflecting on that a lot lately, and that didn't sit too well with me, but we talk about it, and uh, we talk about Nickelodeon, and you're going to enjoy it, because there's some good memories here. So here you go, folks. This is the Needless Things Podcast, and since you can't do that on television, today's special is all about Nickelodeon in the 80s, which I'm sure all of us here would think of as its golden age. It was a very, very different time on television, as we're going to discuss today. I've recently sampled some shows from the time and have been utterly shocked by some of what I've seen. 
So it's it's going to be a, a great conversation, and I've got some great conversationalists here to help me out. First of all, Needless Things Head of Research, Mr. Ryan Schweck, welcome back to the show. Good to be here. Glad to be talking about some old TV that I wasted my youth on tonight. <laughs> Didn't we all? Uh, also coming back to the show, Mr. Richard Yule, who I told uh, before we started recording that anytime we were talking horror movies or children's television, I thought of him. <laughs> I don't know how to take that, Phantom, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'm just glad to be back. And finally, my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. So uh, I've been thinking a lot about the 80s. I mean, we do a lot of retro stuff on Needless Things on the site and on the podcast. But this year in particular, since I've turned 40, uh, I've been thinking a lot more about the past and about my glory days of youth. So Nickelodeon was a natural fit to, to sort of go back in time and take a look at what it was then. So we're going to look at its initial decade, because it started in 1979, but I think we can all agree 80 to 89 was an amazing time for that particular channel. And I just want to talk about our memories of the programming and how it affected culture and how it opened our eyes to a lot of things about culture and pop culture. And I feel like there was sort of a different goal with television back then than there is now and uh, we'll look at that a little bit too without getting too terribly deep into this thing but I think everybody listening knows that Mr. Bo Brown is going to have a very specific type of Nickelodeon show that he might be focusing on today and since Nickelodeon started off in the morning with the programs aimed at younger kids let's start this thing off with Mr. Bo Brown. Yeah, so uh, I decided that uh, it would be appropriate for me to uh, share my memories of the early Nickelodeon shows that featured puppets and puppet characters. Uh, get out of town. So, get out of town. <laughs> Hold the phone. Shut the front door. Uh, so uh, to me, the, you know, the shows that, that stuck out, and I was definitely a, a Nickelodeon kid, um, you know, uh, the shows that stuck out to me were were Today's Special and and Pinwheel House. Um, those shows were the you know alternative, basically the alternative to Sesame Street. Um, they they followed the same format. They had human characters interacting uh, uh, with with puppet characters, um, and they weren't quite as trippy as they 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 occupied the sort of halfway space between the uniformity of, of Sesame street and the Muppets, uh, and the, the acid trip world of Sid and Marty Croft. Well, I think the uh, randomness of, of pinwheel in particular was one of its notable qualities. Cause originally Nickelodeon was called pinwheel mm -hmm, and that's right. the whole basis of the channel was that kind of programming that would be, you know, short instructional films, uh, things with puppetry, Mm -hmm. And even into my memories of it were when Pinwheel was like probably a four hour block, I think. Yep. Can I tell you, like, when I was doing, I was looking up and doing some research for this podcast. I have no recollection of Pinwheel. Really? At all. Well, you're, I, you're a little younger, though. Yeah, Actually, I, I, I don't either. Let's, don't estab let's establish. Brian's the same age as me. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. How old are you guys? 36. Okay. 36. Thir 38. 
30. Okay. So we've, we, good Lord. Why do I have to be that guy? <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's interesting. So yeah, Bo, you finally recall pinwheel. Obviously it had much more of an impact on your life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, actually what, what you're, what you're saying is true. Pinwheel is, was basically, that was Nickelodeon. Um, you know, uh, it, it was the flagship program of this Ohio, uh, show, and then um, they rebranded the Pinwheel Channel as Nickelodeon and reformatted Pinwheel. Uh, Thirteen seasons of Pinwheel. I had wow. no idea there was that much. See, I have lot. I have an odd, and, and this is probably wrong. It's probably one of those things where you know my brain has kind of rewired the sequence of events. But I feel like I remember Pinwheel being directly replaced by Eureka's Castle. And to me, in my mind, that was the changing of an era to mm. where Nickelodeon became a different thing to me. Well, what you see visually, what you saw was Pinwheel House was very was some really early puppet stuff. You know, um, there was definitely a level of, of the, you can, the, 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 uh, Eureka's castle was done by people who worked on Muppets and clearly, clearly as, as right. well. I mean, you uh, tell. and, and, and pinwheel house wasn't. And so what you're seeing is, is that jump, um, you know, the, the puppets on pinwheel house had a sort of letter people quality to them. And if you've ever gone back and watched some old episodes of the letter people, which I have very fond memories of. Man, those are some ugly puppets. Gosh, I don't know if I remember Letter People. I, oh, I was letter obsessed people. with the Letter People. Really? I had I had every single coloring sh- coloring sheet of the Letter People uh, at the top of my wall, going around my room. The whole alphabet. I love the Letter People. Um, oh my gosh, I don't remember these at all. I, I'm looking at them online right now. Oh uh, man, I, yeah, I feel out of the loop. <laughs> <laughs> letter people we watched letter people in kindergarten uh we watched it all the time it was it, it was like what our like we that's how we learned our letters was by watching the letter people that's right so, i remember yeah. that it was oh a huge influence on me i mean it was i would say it was one of the very very early i mean it was kindergarten you know yeah. i mean it was it was and very they, early they sang the letter 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 people and they all come out I and it's it started in, in letter people follow me yeah oh my gosh and it started in 72 so there's no reason i shouldn't have seen it but i got nothing yeah so anyway pin, the the pinwheel puppets i'm looking at them now and i i totally my mind just uh uh, had one of those massive synapse fires because I remember all of these and I'd totally forgotten about and, and pardon me for not knowing his name, black guy in overalls. <laughs> I remember the green guy with the glasses. Yes, I do it? remember that. And the bu- oh. the plus, bugs. plus and minus and the weird old gypsy lady who owned the house and yeah, oh. on oh, the snail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so but see. I, and I remember loving the puppet sequences, but always feeling disappointed when they went into other things, mm-hmm. which was kind of, for me, a trademark of children's television, because a lot of it was that sort of variety show programming style, mm-hmm. uh, which the benefit of it was, if you didn't like something, there'd be something else on very quickly. 
but also that there was there were always a few things that you know the instructional video like let's follow the mailman that right. you're like all right I don't give a shit about this we're gonna make some crayon we're gonna go to the crayon <laughs> right. factory see how the crayons are made right. oh is that from Midway? I remember that <laughs> no that, that was Sesame Street was that, that Sesame the crayon crayon factory one but uh but yeah but interestingly enough you know because I, I mean I think you know we can all agree that the the and I'm sure we, you know we will get to it, but you know you can't do that on television. Is the the definitive? It is what it is what gave Nickelodeon its slime. You right. Know? I mean right. it was, and and Pinwheel House was the longest running show on Nickelodeon until you can't do that on television broke its record. Well, I feel um, like they're both. So you found... can see the direct. So that's that's it. I mean, like that's how that's how Nickelodeon evolved from. Pinwheel House being really targeted at, at pretty young kids, uh, and then the sort of ev- evolution of Nickelodeon to the slightly older gross-out n- network. You know that, that it was it was now everything's gross. Um, you know, for boys, that's how you sold stuff to boys in the you know in the, in the later you know eighties was making it gross. And there wasn't any of that on on Pinwheel House, right? You know. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, you can really chart the evolution of Nickelodeon from its inception with Pinwheel House, and then evolving, sort of finding its its own voice, really. And uh, and you can't do that on television, which really separated it out from being just like, okay, we've got some Sesame Street kind of stuff going on here. Well, and you that's know. what you know. Really, if you look at it, Pinwheel and you can't do that on television are opposite ends of the same spectrum. You have mm-hmm. they're, they're both. Uh, sort of variety shows that jump around a lot. Uh, they're both very topical, but one, like you said, very clearly for children, and the other. Well, I, we'll we'll talk about that one in a bit. I want to well, I want to save that stuff. Pitwell House had a, had an element of education. Yes, you know they they were still trying to teach you something. You can't do that on television. Wasn't trying to teach you yes, anything. It was, no, it absolutely was. And what, and what was you can what was it teaching what was you can do what was it teaching you racism alcoholism unemployment <laughs> I'm not kidding each episode oh, no, that's true okay each episode yeah, had true. a theme and it was some heavy shit for the time and that we'll go ahead and get well now because I want I want to keep you on the puppet puppet uh, track that's fine okay, so so yeah so Pinwheel House track. let me tell my so I got to tell my Pinwheel House story uh so when the first time uh, I got really sick as a kid. Uh, I had some kind of crazy fever and I had this very elaborate, um, it was the realest dream I'd ever had. Uh, and it was about these giant gas bubbles that invaded the planet. Uh, they were giant bubbles, sentient, silent bubbles. Like the ones from the prisoner? Yeah, but clear and brown on the inside. Like they had oh, like a brownish fart gas. That on is the foul. Uh, and, 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 and if they touched you, you would, you know, you would be enveloped into the, into the gas bubble and the gas inside would kill you. Um, so, and they, they floated. They just came out of the sky. They didn't roll. Um, you know, they, they just came and, and everybody was dying. They were, so in, in the dream, they were like just cruising through malls. <laughs> and and killing people. Uh, oh, the mall! Another bygone, yeah, bygone <laughs> thing of the eighties. Yeah. Uh, so the characters on Pinwheel House were involved in the dream. Like sure. the bubbles came to Pinwheel House and were killing all the Pinwheel House people. Oh my gosh! Um, 
And, and I remember seeing in, in, in my, my most vivid memories of Pinwheel House are from the dream. <laughs> uh, specifically the crazy old gypsy lady who, who ran the house. She was, was, was featured very heavily in the dream. I woke up from the dream underneath my parents' bed. I don't Whoa. know how I like fever walked my way and crawled under the bed, but I woke up from like the craziest, realest, scariest dream I'd ever had as a child trapped, you know, f- feeling like I woke up in a coffin because I was, you know, you had the claustrophobia of, of the bed, you know, bed frame, you know, right, right, right above you. Right. You've got a thing right on top of you. Yeah. And, uh, and I woke and I have no idea how I got under there. I have no idea where my parents were. I have no idea how I managed to be so sick. <laughs> and, to, and to wake up underneath the bed, uh, you know, uh, was was pretty wild. So yeah, so the gas the gas bubbles, man, they were not fucking around. Uh, world domination was on their mind. How whatever mind a, a gas bubble has, but uh, the pinwheel house characters, they didn't they didn't make it. Uh, nobody did. Well, it's interesting that your memory of pinwheel involves being sick because my memories of it tend to revolve around that because that's what you watch when you stayed home from school. Right. And even, even when I was older, you know, TV back then was not like it is now where you have cartoon network and Disney XD and all these channels with kids programming on all day long or family programming, whatever you want to call it. Uh, back then you kind of had a a few channels plus cable and you sort of had to watch what was on and pinwheel was on for, I think, like four-hour blocks. And it was the only thing that wasn't Sally Jesse Raphael that was on at that time of day. So you kind of had to wait through Pinwheel to get to the afternoon cartoons. Mm-hmm. So I remember yeah. being homesick, and you know I was a little bit too old for Pinwheel at that point, but certainly not old enough for Phil Donahue. So I'm watching Pinwheel like, ugh, this is all right. I dig these puppets, but can we get to G.I. Joe or whatever? And then mm-hmm. David the Gnome comes on, and you're like, damn it! David the Gnome? Oh my gosh, here's yes. another one. What? Yeah. A world of David the Gnome. I, I loved it when I was a kid. <laughs> For God. some reason. That show. Oh my that, that one in the um, uh, Adventures of Little Koala. <laughs> I just they, I remember Quick Koala. Um, I'm he not sure. Sh- he was a mischievous teleporting koala. Yeah, I remember that one. I think this one was different. Um, let's see. I don't know that I Yeah, recall. I think this one is different. Um, this one is just a, uh, I think it's just a normal normal uh, family of koala bears. Mm-hmm. I think it's Japanese. That might explain some things. Now, see, it turns out, I, I'm looking at David the Gnome here, and uh, voiced by Tom Bosley, but it turns out I'm racist because I assumed he would be German, and he's actually Spanish. <laughs> go, so it's, it's, it's a learning time for me it's a time of growth uh so we, we had pinwheel but then we also had today's special which was a little more focused than pinwheel was and had i think a little a little more endearing cast of puppets hmm. pinwheel or uh, today's special um the thing that always separated today's special to me from pinwheel house was that like i felt like the puppets on pinwheel house belonged in the same world while they were shitty looking puppets they all (laughs) kind of had the same kind of shittiness to them sure um whereas the puppets on today's special looked nothing like one another it was like they just had 
five different people make puppets and they put them all on the show together. And even as a kid that, that I was like, that, that, like the security guard guy, he yeah. didn't look anything like, uh, Sam Crenshaw. Uh, did, you know, he had that sort of plasticky looking, right. uh, puppet face. Uh, and he didn't look anything like, uh, then you had, like, Miss Pennypacker who kind of looked like almost a, um, like a spitting image type, type character. Uh, and then you had the little mouse that didn't look anything like uh, the like the other puppets at all. Um, so at a very early age, I was judging the puppets. <laughs> Good for you, man. Uh, but today's special. Five-year-old, I, I, though. What's yeah. This What's going on? Why don't these 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 puppets? There's no cohesion of style here. They're not even the same materials. <laughs> They're not. They're, they look nothing like each other. Uh, this, I mean, the security like, guard. It look, they all look shitty together, you know. Like, <laughs> um, well, yeah, maybe the they bought guard... them on today's special somewhere, and they were like, "All right, got some puppets." <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like someone was like, "Hey, do we have any puppets?" And someone's like, "I got this mouse. Let's put some pearls on it and call it a day. <laughs> rummaging around in the trash from public broadcasting and found yeah. all these puppets." Uh, I my my fondest memories of today's special were definitely the fact that the mannequin guy came to life. Uh, Jeff, Which, I love that. that. Did that predate mannequin? I believe it did. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Which I loved, is pretty amazing. I, I loved that. You know that something magical happened. You know, it, it's that whole kind of like. You know, do the toys get up and do stuff when you're not around? You know, kind of thing. Like, well, and the that, security guard being there. Kept it mm-hmm. from being creepy because he was an authority figure, but he was in on it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought right. he was creepy. I thought he <laughs> he creeped me out as a kid. <laughs> I mean, I love the show, but he he I, it seemed dark whenever it went to him. Like he was always in his office, and I don't know. I just he was always like humming and stuff. I don't know. Well, <laughs> and, and also, I'm not a huge fan of puppets with people hands. Like that no might Swedish have been chef. part of the problem. Really, no Swedish chef. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I mean, look, I like the Swedish chef, but the the people hands bother me, and especially when they don't put the puppet mittens on his hands. Like there was a, there was a period of time where the Swedish chef literally had people hands, and he that's usually does. He, just he traditionally has has people. <laughs> yeah, that's that's horrifying. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a great Jim Henson story? Yes, I do. Uh, so I heard the story and. Um, Kevin Clash, the gentleman who who played Elmo, is as some people you know you might know is an African American, and they were filming the Muppet Show, and they were doing a Swedish Chef number, and Jim looks to Kevin, and I think this is in this is in the Being Elmo special the story, and uh, and he says, yeah, so and so is not here. Kevin, can you can you second on the Swedish Chef, and second is puppeteer talk for. You know, the lead puppeteer use, does the mouth, right? Right. And the second and the second puppeteer does whatever else needs to get done. The rods or the hands, hands or whatever, right? Uh, and well, in this case, this seconding on the Swedish Chef means <laughs> being the hands, which don't have gloves. And Kevin just looked at him and was like, "I don't know if I'm the best choice for, for this." And Jim just looked at him like, "Why?" Like he. <laughs> He he just he was oblivious. He was right, completely right. oblivious. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. 
So either Jim Henson was completely race blind or completely tired. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Potentially both. Potentially both. Most likely both. So yeah, today's special was, uh, that was one I remembered enjoying pretty much every time I watch it. Like there was never any fatigue from that one. Like there eventually was with pinwheel. Uh, but I, today I kind of wanted to refresh and, and see if it was what I remembered it was. And I watched the first episode that popped up on YouTube and there are a bunch of them on YouTube. They're actually for, for the listeners, Everything that we're talking about today has at least a few episodes on YouTube, so you can go watch this stuff and check it out and and see how interesting some of it is. But I'd, lo- t- I'd love to go back and watch some of this. I, I, there are some things that I would buy entire seasons of. Uh, you can't do that on television, being one of them. But is that available? It's not, uh-huh. which, which is a shame. And it, it doesn't feature any kind of licensed content, so it's not like there's a problem with music or anything like there is with that's some of why the stuff. That's why the other seasons of the, of the Muppet Show haven't been released. It's entirely music rights. Exactly, and that, that kills things all the time. That's why you can't get you know the original versions of the state. Uh, mm. So I, I went back and watched an episode of today's special, and I'm sitting there watching it, and the story is that they're packing up and moving everything because they can't find the plaque that shows the ownership for the department store. And I'm sitting here 40 years old at my computer watching, you know, the puppets move pianos around a puppet. Watching magical mannequins. Uh, yes. And, and I'm like almost in tears cause it's so depressing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, did I fucking just happen to click on the last episode of this show? Because the whole episode is them packing it up and sharing memories and like, Oh, our friendship was so nice, but I guess it's over now. Uh, <laughs> You're going to the gap. And Jeff, and and Jeff's like, again. that's fine. Just hang up my hat on your way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just, and I'll just be, I'll just be here. I guess they'll put me in the wood chipper. Uh, what but, else but, does Sam Crinsaw be a security guard at is my question. <laughs> yeah, who else, who's going to hire a puppet? Yeah. The, with weird 80s, with human hands. In the 80s, well, that's puppet rights. on his rights. resume. Human hands is on his resume. <laughs> Pu- puppet rights w- were not what they are now. Uh, but it, but at the very end of it, the mouse is trying to move a piano and, and somehow with her massive mouse strength, crushes a door and part of the wall falls apart and there's the plaque and it says to be continued. So now I have to find out if that actually was the last one and it was a a dickhead cliffhanger or what? (laughs) I do have, I, I do remember the, the Sam's, the security guard's computer. I remember that it was that he would try to get it to make his lunch, I think. And it would always screw it up. There was like a conveyor belt. It was. So, I mean, it was oh, like a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a repl- it was like a replicator. He could like type things into his little, you know, shitty old compu- computer, and this conveyor belt would come out of the wall. Yeah, and it had and sort it, of like Lucy, you know, like oh, there's too much stuff coming out. Whoa! Or, you know, or he'd ask for lasagna, and it would give him like broccoli yeah. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. I remember he spilled hot chocolate on it one episode. For some reason, that that like, and it fried the computer, and he didn't know what he was going to do. And for the rest <laughs> of your life, you've been incredibly careful with your beverages, haven't you? <laughs> Especially around keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, today's special? We learned valuable lessons from today's special because you know what? You know what isn't good? Pouring liquids on computers. That's right. <laughs> That is a life lesson. That's a fancy place, too, to have a computer in the early 80s. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>
So any other memories of today's special? I just always remembered liking it more than Sesame Street. Like it was, it was my kids' show, like my variety kids' show thing. Um, and I always found it sad. I don't know they because I do feel like they touched on subjects that I don't know that always kind of made me sad. I mean, they always had a happy ending, but you know, yeah, they did do, deal a lot with uh, you know friendships and trust and you know things like that. A lot of the kids' shows back then were very melancholy because they were trying to deal with serious issues and they ended on a happy note but at the same time at the end of today's special you knew Jeff was was turning into a mannequin again and who, <laughs> I know. who knew if he'd make it back that night for, to right. to get the hat yeah he could so be conscious think- during that time they never went into it no, oh like my a gosh that's horrifying <laughs> so do you think do you think Jody was ever like hey Jeff can you stand like this <laughs> I then like like took the hat for sure. You know, sure. Jody too probably went around trying to find like a better looking mannequin and would like try it on. And like, Come on, <laughs> but it's not so weird. Can I can I get one from the from the sporting goods section instead of this bozo in the vest? Uh, so good, good. Uh, you know, solid kid oriented stuff, and there were tons and tons. Of, you know, for the listeners. Nickelodeon's programming for that decade was vast and varied. We're not going to touch on everything today. We're just going to hit some key points uh, that trigger memories for for each of us. Uh, Bo, do you have any further uh, puppet oriented? Um, uh, you know, one one more thing about about today's special before I move on. I, to to give them a, a, a great deal of credit, the the conceit of the mannequin and the magic hat is a really great idea because it's a really it's it's a very powerful magical thing that is like in the the DNA of the show that is such a cheap thing to do it's yeah. a really good idea like it, it is a great deal of magic <laughs> uh that was very easily created with 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 a mannequin you know and that was all they had you know um so it was it was just a it was a great idea it was a it was a really good idea. Well, and right. it was a device during the show sometimes too, because I think there were some episodes where they like lost his hat or oh yeah, you know they course. they created drama around that. Exactly, it was a great storytelling device that not only created all this you know potential for 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 storytelling, but also uh you know had a had a great you know a pretty powerful magical effect for being pretty che- ridiculously cheap to pull off. Without special effects. I mean, it was just like, yeah, you take that off and you do a cut and there's a mannequin, you know. Well, before we move on to what I think are the centerpieces of Nickelodeon, which are, you can't do that on television and Double Dare, I want to look a little bit at their educational programming that was oriented at older kids. Because to me, that's something that Nickelodeon did better than anybody else ever has. And and certainly nobody is doing this sort of thing now, really. Uh, And that's stuff like Mr. Wizard's World. Uh, The, oh, oh, standby, standby lights, camera, action. I always forget to say standby because every time I've referred to it for the past like 20 years, it's just lights, camera, action. Uh, But standby lights, camera, action, Things that were, you know, sort of teaching science and and were geared at, at more than just lessons about friendship or whatever. And Mr. Wizard's World was, 
it, it was an amazing and captivating show because it was real kids doing real things. It was very respectful. It didn't talk down to kids in any way. And Mr. Wizard himself, uh, in, in the early years of the show, was this just amazing genius figure. Do you guys remember Mr. Wizard's World? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. I have vivid it, memories of a boy eating a banana upside down. I don't know why that <laughs> stuck out more than anything. It was the fact that he stood on his head and he ate a banana and swallowed it. And they were like, yep, science. <laughs> I, uh, my Mr. Wizard memory is, you know, the, the visual, like the visual gag where you use mirrors under a table to make it look like there's a decapitated head on a plate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with you on this one. Okay, so like you, you do like a background. There's like a like a a couple of panels of of material around the back of the table, and then you use two mirrors, and the mirrors reflect the background that comes around the sides of the table. Oh, I got you. Okay, uh, right. And so you can then cut a hole in a table and stick a head, you know and stick somebody somebody's head through it. And so my Mister Wizard memory is like Mister Wizard walking into his you know living room or his kitchen or whatever, and there's a decapitated head on the table, and it's the kid, and he's like, "Hey, Mister Wizard," and he's like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And it's like, "No, it's just mirrors." <laughs> and that was probably a Halloween episode. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I love Mister Wizard's World so much because he was so much like my grandfather, and like this is the stuff we did at my grandfather's house. He'd go in the basement and be like, "Let's go look at this electric current machine." And I'd be like, oh, All right. wow! And so, like, I mean, this is the kind of the stuff we did. He, my grandfather, when I was six, built me a gun on my trails that shot bottle rockets. Like it was just <laughs> like, you know, that's what you give a five year old. Sure, sure. But like, can you imagine the Mister Wizard's World being on now? Like, no one would watch this crap <laughs> like no and mr wizard was a show that i should not have watched i hated education <laughs> like i hated learning things yeah, when, yeah. when i watched tv and and i was just so Children. captivated by him and and uh I'm, probably because i didn't have a grandfather and i just used him <laughs> and you all he made you want to go over to his house and be you know mm-hmm. make a make an experiment yeah it's cool <laughs> laboratory I mean, yeah, he had everything there. I had nothing in my house to replicate anything that he was doing. <laughs> yeah, that, that. Was, that was definitely one of the, like, probably top ten childhood fantasies was getting to go to Mr. Wizard's awesome house. Yep. Mm. He inspired a whole generation, like, to have a love of magnets because that yeah. fucker loved magnets. He would use them for, like, everything. He, he didn't inspire insane clown posse, though. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, they didn't pay enough attention because they don't know how <laughs> well, they work. You know, Mr. Wizard was you could you can look at it as a direct sort of offshoot of Mr. Rogers. It was Mr. Rogers with science. It was the same format. He lives in a house. Kids come over to the house, you know, uh, and and you learn a you learn a lesson, you know. But 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 focused around science with no land of make believe because there's no goddamn room for make believe in a world of science. <laughs> There is no God, Mr. Wizard. You know where the trolley goes? To the next fucking trolley station. That's where it goes. Backstage. Let's look at this. That hole in the wall goes to a set. Today we're going to dissect Lady Elaine. Uh, You know what's inside? A human hand. Uh, So, yeah, Mr. Wizard was... For those of us with kids, have you guys watched uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? Yes. No. Okay. Have you guys noticed 
So you remember, do you, on Mr. Rogers, Lady Elaine, or not Lady Elaine, um, uh, uh, what was the puppet character's name? She was sort of like, she ran the museum and she was kind of like the antagonist of the, of the land of make believe. She was the one who was always causing problems. Yeah, that was, that was uh, Lady Elaine Fairchild. Right. All right, so that was Lady. Yeah, the, well, the, 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 the human character had a similar name. The scariest puppet ever. Right. Yeah. So, have you noticed how much Lady Elaine has chilled out on Daniel Tiger's neighborhood? Oh yeah. Well, we're we're gonna <laughs> get we're going to get into the differences in children's programming <laughs> in the eighties and children's programming now, and how we're raising a bunch of soft vanilla weaklings because of children's programming now. Um, I, I want to talk uh, about standby lights, camera action, which was my favorite thing on television ever. When I was a kid, it was hosted by Leonard Nimoy and oh, it, yeah. it was a show that went behind the scenes of big Hollywood movies and showed us how things were happening and yeah, did interviews with actors and directors. They did a episode on return of the jedi they did one on search for spock obviously they did one one for war games they did one for war games they did one for monty python i very specifically remember the one for octopussy because it was the first time i heard pinewood studios and this show there was a dark crystal episode uh Uh, this show was absolutely incredible leonard nimoy i mean we all know how engaging he was as a host of anything uh, but it was, again, it didn't talk down to kids. It was a very straightforward, you know, this was prior to the days of DVD special features. The things like this right. were unheard of. And we got to see how Jabba the Hutt was puppeteered. We got to see the animation of the Secret of Nim. You know, all of these things that were the movie magic and I think this show is where my fascination with movies comes from because it showed me how everything worked. And I got to see these actors performing and I got to see, you know, cameras filming sets. It's in, it's an incredible show and it's a shame that it isn't more widely available on YouTube. There are a few clips here and there, but there are no full episodes that I can find. It's never been produced in any way and it's probably a similar issue to the, to the music. Where oh, I'm sure, yeah. the rights to the various movies just prevented from being released, which is a damn shame because this show was incredible. Do you guys remember this one? I vaguely remember vaguely, it, yeah. But but I'm looking at a list of the movies, and Scarface is one of the movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that apparently it focused on, which Here's is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, kids, this isn't actually cocaine. This is powdered sugar. Leonard Say hello, in there. kids. <laughs> but that just shows that, you know, they didn't censor for kids really back then, you know, not nearly as much as now. Well, and they, I mean, they did a feature on rock and roll, which I would say is almost more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More, more subversive than Scarface because it's animated. True. But it's so, you know, it's almost, uh, like some of the older Ralph Bakshi stuff, it's very and actually now at the top of my head, I can't remember if Rock and Roll is Bakshi or not. I don't think it is. It is. It is? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Ralph Bakshi animation on children's television. Well, did Ra- I don't. I mean, other than I mean, I would say that like Lord of the Rings was the tamest 
thing Baxi ever did. Well, you know? yeah, he did. He did like, Lord of the Rings. All of his he animation did, uh, was was not really for kids. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, Secret of Nim was Baxi, right? Yeah, but yeah, but Secret of Nim is fucked up. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely fucked up. Going down. But it's not. It's not like adult no. animation in the right. same realm as like street fight or some of the stuff that he did. Yeah. 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 And wizards is, is right. Right. Super weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I adore this show. Uh, it, and it is a sore spot in my soul to this day that I can't sit down and watch it in any form and, and probably will never be able to, but uh, it, it was amazing. And it's one of the many reasons I love Leonard Nimoy. Uh, there were also shows that were geared toward, I mean, again, everything on Nickelodeon at this time was technically considered children's programming. Uh, it ran from, I think, six in the morning or eight in the morning until about nine at night and then just went off the air like there was nothing. Uh, well, later, in later years, it would be followed by various movie channels, but it was literally daytime programming for kids. And they had other shows like The Third Eye, which was a crazy anthology show, kind of like The Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. And it featured short films and movies broken up and serialized from around the world. And it showed some crazy stuff. And I, I can't say that I remember anything more than the opening credits. I'm sure if I sat down and actually watched some of the features, it would bring back memories. But it was definitely not your your typical kids' fair. Uh, and then there was Livewire, which was almost like a prototype MTV in that they showed various types of animation and, and uh, features, but they also had live concerts from Duran Duran, Adam and the Ants, uh, David Johansson, like a weird mishmash of things like that and then Degrassi stuff and animated features and uh, just any kind of thing would show up on Livewire. It was a, a variety program, but one that just kind of pulled from everywhere and didn't seem to have a lot of regard for it being specifically kid-oriented content. I feel like their ruling was just like, well, well, don't show fucking. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, what? What do you? Back to you guys a little bit. What? What are your other? Without getting into the big two yet, what are some other Nickelodeon things that you remember? I think my I'm, biggest. And if you ask me about eighties Nickelodeon, like even before the big two, I think of Out of Control immediately. Yeah. And like, oh yeah. Looking at it. Cut Out of Control down. was only on the air for seven months. Or I know, that's like, crazy. But, like, I have vivid memories of Haha 3200 and, like, the kids explain where they'd, like, explain to the adults, like, this is how you do this. Um, I loved that show. I still do the cut it out thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> at 38 years old, I still do that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is the cut it out. I mean, that was so big and, and imprinted itself into pop culture so well that he carried it over to Full House. Because Dave Coulier from Full House, uh, Uncle Joey, was the host of Out of Control, which was this – it was almost like a an Entertainment Tonight type show, I guess. Like that was kind of the format of the show. 
And he was the host, the beleaguered host, uh, who had uh, very little tolerance for the people he worked with for the most part. And it just, again, variety was, was the name of the game, which I think we're kind of coming on to the fact that that's one of the magical things about Nickelodeon is within specific formats, they threw out a lot of different concepts to keep you interested and entertained, which is pro- probably why none of us have very good attention spans now. Yeah. Well, and they probably got it from Sesame Street because you come up from Sesame Street and you're used to this, you know, yeah. three or four minutes move, three or four minutes move. Well, and you so- want to, I mean, you want to look at the difference, watch an episode of Mr. Wizard and then watch an episode of Bill Nye the Science Guy. And there you go. Like, nothing, nothing happens on Bill Nye the Science Guy for longer than five minutes at all. Um, and they are, you know, not even that they're jumping to the next thing. I mean, and that was the whole, that was the whole format of the show was we're going to make it, we're going to make the show feel like you're flipping through channels. Um, because that's what kids do and that they don't have these attention spans. Um, and I think Mr. Wizard was like only two subjects at the most. I mean, if, if yeah, that's what I feel like they had, they had two like, you know, 10 minute stories or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the name of the show is, and I don't even know if it was on Nickelodeon. But does anybody else remember like a really creepy kind of kid show where there was a hidden room and it had really kind of spooky music, and the kids would like have to f- find their way into the secret room? And I want to say there was a typewriter involved. Um. Nothing? Nobody? Um, and it sounds familiar. Like, I'm picturing it. The typewriter made me think of it. Yeah, yeah. I remember something like that. But I can't think of what it would be. Yeah. I was I trying nothing. to look it up, but I, I'm not, I, I can't. It's it's all just like, here's BuzzFeed's list of crazy, <laughs> creepy kid shows that you're going to have to click through 25 fucking pages to yeah. get any information on. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And I, nobody ain't got time for that. Well, <laughs> listeners, if if uh, Secret Room and Typewriter brings up anything other than uh, traumatic personal childhood memories, please do contact us and let us know what the heck this show was. One of the things that Nickelodeon always really presented to me was actually old television. And specifically, without getting into Nick at Night, which did start in the 80s, and that's what eventually went, um, that came on after the kids' programming ended. Right. And um, and I fell in love with all these old shows, but to stay on Nickelodeon, Dennis the Menace, I just fell in love with Dennis the Menace, the old 50s show. You know, the black and white, they showed that every every day in the afternoon around 4 or 5 o'clock. Oh, that's right. I'd completely forgotten that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, that was probably my favorite show <laughs> at the time. And if you haven't seen any of them, I mean, they're, they're on YouTube as well. Um, and actually, the the actor who played Dennis, like he he was a big uh, activist on uh, on the way children child actors are treated. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, b- because he was huge, yeah. well, he was huge, and the way they would get him to cry is they would do mean things, and they would they would have like a dog on the set, and they would threaten it. From what I've heard, stories from him. Oh my say, gosh. And, and yeah, and so so he he's a big activist. He he's still around, and he, I think he actually does conventions um, as well, or has in the past. Um, he's got a book out and stuff. But um, 
Yeah, he was that. That was one of my favorite shows, mm. and it was from late fifties, and it went on. Yeah, because I remember watching like Mr. Ed and and stuff like that too. All that, uh, yeah, all that was okay. like later. Well, uh, well, Nick at Night was like Mr. Ed and Donna Reed and Patty Duke and Dobie Gillis. And when my parents went to bed, I had I was lucky enough to have a TV in my room. And when they went to bed, I'd turn my TV back on and I'd stay up till two or three o'clock in the morning, even if I had school. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this was young, like second grade. Third grade. That's why you don't let a kid have a TV in their room. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but but I have all this love for like Ozzy and Harriet. I mean, like things that a lot of kids my or guys my age don't know about. And it, it was just it was such innocence. Yeah, you were the kid I at school loved. who was like, "Did you guys watch Too Hard last night?" It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. <laughs> I, I loved uh, I loved Donna Reed. Um. I, I, don't, I, read, yeah. I don't remember if they showed the Dick Van Dyke show or not. I, don't I know think they did eventually. Movie, and I love that. My um, Three Sons. My Three Sons was great. Uh, Dobie Gillis, Maynard G. Krebs was the so first weird. human instance I ever saw of non-beard or mustache facial hair. Oh. Like, it wasn't just a straight-up mustache or beard. Like, he had the weird little... Soul patch? Was yeah. it a soul patch? Yeah. Soul and I always thought it was so strange when I was a kid. Yeah, other option. Dobie Gill is is a messed up show if you watch it now. And they have this weird like him and this girl. They like have this nose twitching thing where yeah. like she will twitch his, her nose and then he'll have to twitch his nose. Like it's so weird. <laughs> and there's a statue where he goes to think about things where it's a thinking man statue. It's just <laughs> that show is trippy. <laughs> So yeah, Nick at Night was was huge in refreshing old television and and bringing a new audience into it because I watched a lot of that stuff. They, all of those shows didn't click with me, but some of them did. Uh, but then to get back to the daytime Nickelodeon stuff, uh, what what else do you guys have memories of? And that's interesting. I'm glad you brought in that afternoon programming in with Dennis the Menace because I'd kind of forgotten about that. Uh, I guess early afternoon block that they would do of the live action, the classic shows. Yeah, and I only remember like Dennis the Menace. I can't remember anything that I, I remember. Usually, like one or two episodes, and then it would go into something else. But I don't know if they had any other because I mean I can't think of anything from the fifties that was so kid centric as Dennis the Menace. So you know, it's time to go ahead and hit on the big ones. And you can't do that on television is most certainly uh, the genesis or the the inception of a lot of Nickelodeon's stuff. Uh, that's where slime where came from. Found their voice. Yes, yeah. that that is where slime came from. And if you look at the legacy of Nickelodeon slime, it's incredible because it went on to Double Dare. Uh, it's been at the Kids' Choice Awards every year. They still use it to this day on all their award shows. It's been sold in stores. Now, granted, it was not the classic uh, gelatin, oatmeal, and food coloring solution. Uh, but, you know, that's where it came from is this show. And I sat down and I watched a couple episodes of You Can't Do That on Television today. And I cannot believe what that show was getting away with in the 80s. It was originally 
Uh, well, it was always a Canadian show, but it started off as, as a, a just broadcast in Canada. It was brought down here uh, for Nickelodeon, and they changed the format just a little bit. But you you may all remember the longest running host uh, Moose uh, Christine Moose Moosey. Uh, she was a key part of the show. Always, her her role got slightly reduced in later seasons, uh, and she did eventually leave to to go on to produce other shows. But that show featured children in front of a firing squad. It yeah. featured adults. Every episode. It it featured <laughs> adults smoking and drinking constantly. It featured the one of the episodes I watched today. If you remember the locker jokes, there was a segment on every episode. Which was yeah, which was which was from Laugh In. Right, exactly. That yeah. totally taken from Laugh In. Uh, there was uh, there would be a set of multicolored lockers, and one kid would pop out of one of the lockers and say another kid's name. The other kid would pop out, and they would exchange. Uh, a, a story or an anecdote or a joke or whatever. And the one I watched today, one of the kids pops out of the locker and says, oh, my parents won't ever let me go out at night. I don't get to have any fun. And then a black kid pops out of the locker and says, my parents won't let me go out at night either. And they're like, oh, your parents are really strict. And he said, no, they're just afraid people won't see me and I'll get run over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is a joke. On a children's show in 1982, wow! That made it to air alongside, you know, um, the the the. There's a big cast of kids on the show, but a guy named Les Lie played almost every adult male on the show. Yeah, there was, and then there was a woman who played who played all the women. Yes, right, yeah, and Les Lie is absolutely incredible because he, he plays uh, Barf, the chef. He Barf, plays Senator Prevert. Producer this, plus stage manager he, guy. Yes. He's School everything. bus driver. And he has a fully different voice character. And I understand this is acting and this is what they do, but he's so versatile that as a kid, it took me a while of watching the show to realize that that was all the same guy. It was the same guy, yeah. Uh, but smoking cigars on set. Uh, ashing into food. Yes, ashing into food. Serving, and then everybody vomiting constantly. Serving human remains to children. <laughs> At one point, he picks up a burger that has a visible <laughs> hand in it. Um, uh, there is one. So there was one segment where a family is in a hot air balloon that is sinking, and they decide that they have to get rid of the dad's beer to keep it from sinking. And he's like, well, I'll finish it off. And his daughter's like, you moron. It's the beer. That's the problem. Not the can. If you drink it, we're in the same spot. So they throw the beer overboard and they go down to the set and Christine gets doused with water and then starts licking it off her hand. Child drinking beer on television. (laughs) This happened. (laughs) I was just looking at a picture of the fire squad. I forgot he was the dictator too. And was essentially in blackface. Yeah, yeah, because he did he did a, a, a Hispanic accent for that yeah. character. I mean, this show is fucking nuts. They wouldn't allow this show on the air on regular TV in primetime now. Like, it would be on FX or something, and there would be people well, you, complaining about it. This show wouldn't it. have been made now. Well, yeah, it wouldn't have been made. You're correct. You're correct. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, which is a shame because... It, again, going back to that subversive element, it's very smart 
about what it's doing because every episode has a theme of uh, one of the ones I watched today was about discrimination. Now, they presented it as discrimination between kids and adults, but everything that they did made a point of these people aren't allowed to do something because of what they were born as or what they look like. And it's foul and it's disgusting. And, and on and on this show, the, all of the people happen to be born as children. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was actually one of the good gags. Uh, they they had the the dungeon, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. the dungeon Torture, scene, tor- torturing yes. children, torturing children, and the kids are all hung up in the dungeon, and they say, "This isn't fair. You don't have anybody but kids in in the dungeon." And the the guy who is different from the dictator, but is still less lie, says, "Oh, you're right. That is that's unacceptable." Uh, I, I've just found out we will have adults in the dungeon. And the kids are like, oh, good, that's more fair. When? Oh, as soon as you guys grow up. But it's great stuff. And as a kid, I loved it. And it's funny because I was watching it with my eight-year-old uh, public school son, and he was intensely uncomfortable watching it <laughs> because everything oh. about this show is – what they are teaching kids is not okay today. Everything. Well, it, it's interesting because, you oh, know, yeah. like, you, you can't do that on television sort of started or, or is at least on the forefront of, of the, um, you know, kids are smart, adults are stupid. Um, yes. yes. Trend of, of television that is rampant today on the Disney Channel. Yeah, uh, and the Disney was basically like, "Hey, we're going to steal your whole Nickelodeon thing," and then they ran with it and made, you know, and now it's all just self-obsessed, rich people, rich kids who treat adults like shit on, on you know shows on the Disney Channel, which is why kids, you know, don't have any respect for authority. No, you're Whereas talking about, at least you're talking when about we the- had when we had disrespect for authority when we were children. There was some quality writing. you're talking about the live action stuff that every single show is just a photocopy of the last show with a slightly different setting well uh, and what's interesting with those shows the ones on disney channel now where they have you know the sassy girl that always talks back and all that we can watch and she doesn't do it as much now but a couple of years ago you could tell when my daughter would be watching those shows because you would hear it in her voice Mm -hmm. and the way she was like Speaking, and I would be like, "Nope, no more Disney shows. You're done for the day." Yep. Yeah, and like, you I mean you could just hear that inflection and that like almost like practice lines coming out of her mouth, and yeah. I was just like, "Oh, I hate these shows." Well, a couple of years ago, we had the same problem with SpongeBob, and we had to we had to cut that off because you could tell uh, when my son started to cross a certain idiot threshold, like, <laughs> "Oh, this is SpongeBob. This, mm-hmm. this is." This is the the moron creeping in, and and that's got to go. Yeah, but for us too, I mean, I would say like these shows probably affected us the same. Absolutely. I mean, my humor that that's I why we were assholes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember dumping slime on my parents and them getting mad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great story. Um, I definitely, as a child, threw at my sister. Like I remember. 
asking her, do you want something to drink? She said, I want water, and I just threw the cup on her. Uh, <laughs> we, we did water a lot, yes. Yeah, yeah um, water was definitely – you could get away with water. Yes. Water dry. <laughs> that was actually – that reminds me of one more joke from the episode that I watched uh, from the Locker Gags. Uh, when, when my dad is at home drinking beer, he won't, he won't ever let me have a glass. Oh, well, you, I should hope not. You're too young. He says, yeah. Uh, he tells me I have to drink out of the bottle like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, again, children's right. television. Uh, so it was the, the format, once again, it was a variety format. Lots of different sketches. A, a little bit more, uh, Laugh in than Saturday Night Live, as Bo mentioned. The locker and, gag and, and was a very, direct, very heavy, heavy on the gross out humor. Yeah, very. All, yeah. Everything was gross, but always, uh, always with a theme, and always with the intent, always with a narrative. I guess because I, I can't say every episode was specifically a, a important socio-political commentary. I don't but, remember learning anything watching the show. Well, that's because it was smart about it. Right. You didn't know you were learning anything, but I guarantee you where I'm telling you go, you guys and listeners go find some of these episodes that are on YouTube and you'll be impressed at how disgusting they are. And you'll be impressed at how cleverly they're getting their themes into these sketches, uh, and a lot of it's repetition because uh, because you do see, you know, once oh, yeah. they establish, same, same uh, yeah, yeah. I think this was but the I first the show. Mom, the mom with the dish with the dishwashing gloves and and the apron, oh, yeah, and that's yeah, was, and that's what my wife said. She was like, "Why is that lady got to be wearing an apron?" <laughs> <laughs> and your um, response was very carefully chosen <laughs> no 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 she was she's she is very aware of, of our social climate and whatnot and she was she was making a uh humorous comment on it so she says you can't do that on television taught traditional family values that's exactly right, right. <laughs> and the importance of, and the importance of food inspectors yes yes <laughs> i heard that yeah <laughs> Uh, so are, are we ready to move on to the big kahuna and probably one of the most universally recognized children's programs ever? Double I think so. I want to start this one off because one of us has a personal double dare story and I want to, it was posted on needlessthingsite.com. But I want to hear this thing from the horse's mouth. Well, that would be me. Um, I'm the horse. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I did an article. Probably it's probably been a couple of years um, on needless things. But I was raised in Tampa, Florida, and I was lucky enough to actually try out for Double Dare. Like they had um, auditions in Orlando. And I just, me and my friend, we begged our parents to take us, and they did. And I mean, I, I was pretty young. I mean, I had to be eight or nine, probably, maybe in that in that range. We'll say eight to ten or eleven, maybe. And um, I just remember thousands of people there. And um, what you had to do, it was like a state. They they set it up in sections. So like the one, it was it was always a boy and a girl. I, I believe, um, and it was m one of my friends um, from then, and 
the the first challenge was you had to put a spoon in your mouth and put an egg on it and you had to take it to the other person transfer the egg and they had to walk back and you were you were probably 10 feet apart or so well we didn't make it past that um we didn't make it past that uh section so we were eliminated right then as of as was probably hundreds of other people because that's what that little challenge was meant to do i don't know what it was actually meant to prove i mean it's not like you had to have skill well it was, real just to, skill. It was to, to prove you had the physical assets to get past some basic field day activity into I the, guess, into the more that- intense double dare stunts Yes, probably, which I'm not adequate for, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, it, it was fun. I mean, it was, that's pretty much the experience. I mean, I just, it, it's like anything. You stand in line for hours and hours, and then you do something for two seconds, and then you leave. Um, you know, I didn't get, it was all done outside, like in a giant parking lot, if my memory serves me correct. Right, and, so you're and, not, so, like, on the set or anything. No, no, I didn't dramatic. get to do anything cool, like meet Mark Summers or anything. But, but I mean, it's still a cool experience. I mean, it's probably the the closest I've come to, to you know, be on television or whatever, or, or on a cool game show like that. Now, Ryan, you said you visited, which granted Nickelodeon Studios didn't open until 1990, but it was, I mean, it was honestly the culmination of everything that we're talking about now. And your recollection was that it was lousy, my recollection is that I was disappointed by it. So, but but I don't know that I remember specifics very well. Do you remember your visit? Somewhat. We had to be there. I guess it was probably ninety one, and I remember it was just like the tour. You went through a tour, and it wasn't very long. Somebody got slime, but it wasn't me. And we saw like some empty studios, and that was about it. And I was like, "All right, well, great." Yeah, no, I see, take that back. I think there was a show getting ready because I think I remember seeing an audience sitting in a room, but we didn't get to sit in that audience. They were just like, oh, here it is. Let's keep moving. That, like, oh, super. That sounds almost exactly like what I remember. I remember the the Fountain of Slime. Yep. Uh, and I remember being I, – I was probably there around the same time because it was shortly after Ren and Stimpy had debuted, but when it was – it was getting to be the phenomenon that it would become. And I bought a Ren and Stimpy shirt from Nickelodeon Studios. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever, that I had it from the source. And at the time, I don't think the shirts had hit retail yet. I think that was kind of the only way you could get one at that point. So when I got back home, I was the only person with a Ren and Stimpy shirt, and it was one of the few times in my life that I actually felt cool. Uh, but yeah, I remember the studio being kind of underwhelming because, you know, if you're going there, you're probably going to Universal as well. Yep. Right. And Universal Studios has a lot to offer. At least it did, uh, it did back then and it does now. I think there were, there was about a decade or so where Universal was kind of in a decline. It's got uh, Harry Potter World now. Right. Well, it's got <laughs> Harry I, Potter World. Yeah. It's got Jurassic Park ride. It's got, uh, even the, the first time I went to Universal, they didn't even have the Marvel stuff yet. Yeah. I was there. We were there the day Back to the Future opened. Oh, so, wow. Like, we oh. had, like, been, and we were there for Back to the Future, and then we go to Nickelodeon Studios. I was so excited, and 
After all that, it was a total <laughs> walk, walk. Yeah, It was a walkthrough. It was literally studios. It was not. Yeah. It was not an amusement park. It was literally just a studio tour, which you know we as kids didn't understand the difference because it's Universal Studios is what the other one's called. Yeah, so, I don't know what I was expecting. Like, I don't know if I thought it was just going to be wacky hijinks. Well, going I'll tell on you this: we or? we for sure thought we were going to get slimed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I know without a doubt in my mind that I was going to walk out of there covered in green stuff, green green oatmeal. Uh, but but yeah, that's not what happened. So going back to you know, while you can't do that on television, introduced us to the green slime. Double Dare took that green slime pony and ran with it all the way to the bank, if I can use several different metaphors, maybe. Uh, But Double Dare was just amazing. Double Dare was destination every single day. Can't miss an episode, uh, at least when it first came on, because Mark Summers was... He was a great host for a kid's show because... He didn't seem like a boring adult, but he also wasn't that stupid brand of goofy that some adults like to employ in children's programming. Mm -hmm. Like he was serious and he wore, you know, he wore a sports coat, but he also wore jeans and, and high tops. Uh, and, but he was serious with the contestants, but he was also, you know, kind of, kind of funny he was engaging, but he wasn't zany because I'll tell you right now, when I was a kid, nothing turned me off more than the zany guy trying to to, to interact with the kids. That was the worst. So Mark Summers was absolutely amazing at hosting that show. The show well, it, yeah. It's interesting to watch it now if you go back and see it because like, everybody knows about Mark Summers' illness and what he has and you watch him in that show and so you know while this is going on like in his head he's got to be like suffering and so uncomfortable i have no idea what you're talking about oh you don't oh yeah he's a germaphobe pretty bad oh my gosh really pretty much like germaphobe mess you know i mean he's yeah yeah he does uh, not like that like howie um howie mandel mandel right yeah essentially right ryan yeah, he has um, – I'm trying to find what his actual – I don't think he's OCD, but he has it's a probably problem. some of it. Oh, no, he is OCD. Yeah, He's OCD. diagnosed with OCD, and he is very – like, I mean, he's talked about it in our He wore gloves which on ankles and wouldn't touch people, and he hated messes, and mm-hmm. and so that show – Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he, he right. says he, – he has said in interviews, I've heard him, where he says that that show helped him cope with it, not – I mean, at, at first it was – I mean, it was – I mean, it probably did make it easier the longer the show ran. You know, at first, I'm sure it was awful. Just watching all these kids get all messed up and and him near it. Gosh, because I can't, you know, I don't have an actual disorder, but I have a severe aversion to, like, sticky stuff to the point where, like, if my kid's eating pancakes and putting syrup on them, I'm cringing across the table. But that's you're like, all right, good luck with that. That's all you, man. You're right, exactly. (laughs) And, And afterwards, I'm like, go wash your hands right now. We're not interacting until all trade. So, which you know, I, I am fully aware that that's it's uh, it's an aversion. It's not a clinical condition. Debilitating so I, condition, right? I can't even imagine 
dealing with that uh, on that level because the magic of Double Dare is it is a game show that has kids competing in all manner. And, and I mean, everybody knows what Double Dare is because it's been on Bob's Burgers. It's been on Family Guy. It's been parodied on every sitcom, on every cartoon you've ever seen. It spawned dozens of imitation shows. Uh, tons of extra. Uh, yeah. it, it is, like I said, it's one of the most easily recognizable and well-known examples of children's programming. I mean, I, I would honestly put it now. I don't know internationally. Uh, I'm not sure what the reputation is because I I don't know. I'm sure Sesame Street is is bigger around the world. But in America... Sesame Street is only bigger around the world because there are international versions of Sesame Street. Right. Whereas there are no... There's no like... You know... Double Dare Italia! (laughs) El Duso Dero! Jump in the pile of spaghetti! (laughs) Actually, I think Jump in the pile of spaghetti was a stunt on Double Dare. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. It was in this obstacle course. Yeah, that's right. It totally was. So, so for the listeners, I mean, you all know what this is, but the magic of Double Dare, what I loved so much about it, even though I was not a physical kid or an active kid, the idea of jamming my arm up a giant nose full of gooey snot and pulling a flag out, there was nothing more appealing to me <laughs> at that time. And everything on there was something along those lines, whether you were having to dive through those giant, remember the two giant foam rollers and you had to dive in the middle yeah. of them and get squeezed out the other side. And the giant mouth that you slid down the tongue into yes. the pool of slime or oh, whatever. It's all so <laughs> wonderful. Well, one of my favorite things they did too is like, all right, so you've got this thing and they're putting slime and whipped cream and there's just junk everywhere. And, you know, part of the fun is like watching. a Sunday. That's like a banana Sunday thing. Yeah. Right? Watching yeah. them like fall and slip and stuff, but at some point the set designer like sat back and was like, "You know what this really needs is the slickest, most polished, <laughs> yes. <you> possibly get." <laughs> yes, that floor was reflective. <laughs> There's got to be like B-roll somewhere of somebody like breaking their arm. <laughs> oh yeah, because they would then have to run across the floor yeah, after right. they're covered in all this stuff. So they're just slipping, falling. I mean, it's <laughs> they probably broke a few limbs. Well. You've got to win that Garfield phone. You've got to put the effort in. <laughs> and how bad did you guys feel for the kids that didn't get to go on to the obstacle course? Oh, yeah. They, that was awful. Oh, my gosh. To get, like they were so close. To get that <laughs> close to to the greatest thing that the was glory. on television so at the time. So close yeah. to glory. And Double Dare was educational, too. It had quite trivia questions. Well, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, I you, mean, that was the whole thing. That's how they got to the fun stuff was they had to, you know, it was, it was mostly pop culture stuff, I think. But, you know, they had to, they had to possess knowledge. They had to have, uh, you know, a certain amount of knowledge of, of I guess there was a mix of pop culture and education because now I'm well, thinking there were like questions. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, like, there were kid-oriented questions. Where is the questions. Statue of Liberty located? <laughs> right, I mean, it was right. like, you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, they they had to to pass through the intellectual stuff to get to the fun of putting a helmet full of beans on their head. Well, right. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much production value <laughs> that you production budget that you've got. You can't just be like, all right. Ice strike, first thing out of the gate. Let's do this. <laughs> well, that was the best part about Double Dare is how it opened. It opened with a challenge. 
I mean, it opened with, yeah, with Summer's with Yeah, it, it broke things up with the physical challenges. Yeah, it, yeah, it would yes. break up the monotony of the of the questions. That's yeah. right. That's right. It would open, and they would already be in place. Oh, yeah. they would. Their, be, it was a challenge. With yes. their helmet full of boogers or whatever the, yeah. the thing was. Like, Mark Summers opened it, and he'd, he'd be like, and now it's go. And, and you'd be like, oh, shit, they're doing it now. It's happening. Yeah. 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 And I think it was to see who got the first question. Yeah. yeah, who went first or, or it whatever? Was a coin toss. Yes. Do you remember what are your thoughts on Family Double Dare? I, I never liked it as much because I didn't. Li- I liked the idea that families were doing it together, but the adults more often than not just weren't that into it, and you no. could tell at least. Well, that's, but that was that's but that was memory. obviously the intent. The intent was, oh man. Wouldn't it be great if you saw somebody's mom digging up in a giant <laughs> nose? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and, and to why, you know, and the, the intent was like, oh, wow, won't it be funny with the grownups being, revo- you know, the revulsion of doing the really gross challenges? But the fact of the matter is, is that it just made them not good at it. Right. And, you know, and the kids were just better. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, well, and then they followed it up with the, the super sloppy double dare. It was kind of like the last. Oh, yeah. I'll be second double there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's the show we host. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, I don't yeah, remember like, it being that more messy, but apparently it was. Yeah, I don't know that so I many... necessarily remember Super Sloppy at all. I, I'm... I... Yeah, I, I do. It was, it was, yeah, it was basically the same thing, I think. I don't remember a huge difference. It probably had different stunts and stuff. What were, were, like, the other, the spinoffs were like, what? Secrets of the Hidden Temple or something? Oh, Secrets of the Hidden Temple. Not only did I love Secrets of the Hidden Temple, but they're doing a TV movie. They are. Of Secrets of the Hidden Temple featuring the original. Now, it's probably not literally the original, but featuring uh, the Olmec prop, the giant talking head. Oh. (laughs) Now, have y'all ever seen the outtakes of Legends of the Hidden Temple? Yeah, it's not Secrets. It's Legends of the Hidden Temple. No, I've never seen outtakes. What is this about? Oh, wow. So, if now you wait, this is Nickelodeon show. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, but it, this was in the nineties. Yeah, this so was Double later Dare on. opened. Yeah, these are, what these Double are Dare just, did oh, was uh, opened the nineties to a whole thing of game shows. Well, see, I remember, and, and and I don't want to get too deep into nineties stuff because we will do an episode about the nineties as well because Nickelodeon in the nineties was potentially even more influential than they were in the eighties. Uh, but we, we've got to save that for another episode. So we'll we'll save Legends of the Hidden Temple for that as well. Uh, what I do want to talk about, and and this is not strictly Nickelodeon, but it's definitely a response to Double Dare. There was another show that I was it Funhouse. Oh, TV, oh yeah, Funhouse. It was JD Roth. JD Roth. Yes, it was syndicated. I think on Fox in my in my town. But I love Funhouse. I I. <laughs> I dug Funhouse, but I think it didn't have the it didn't have the sloppy element. No, it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't as gross. It but didn't it was, have that gross element. But it had it had the the same kind of thing. You did stunts, and I think you even answered questions. And I think at and, the end there was like a almost mousetrap like yes. like the fun the titular Funhouse, if you will, correct that yes. the kids had to navigate through. But it, it was. Uh, I think that was the only knockoff that felt like it had its own thing going on. Yeah, it was also a Nintendo game, oddly enough. Oh, but, yeah, that's right. Um, 
<laughs> well, but, there um, Double Dare. Yeah, Double Dare yeah, was as well. Yeah, you know what Double Dare tattoo is? Did you all ever get the games that they made? They came in the big yellow oh, boxes. Oh my gosh, that's right. They did home stuff. Yeah, I had Double Dare, Finders Keepers, and something else. But they were Super, always yeah, the other one I remember. Yeah. Now what Finders, Finders Keepers, Keepers is the eighties. It, it is the eighties, and Finders Keepers is uh, my one of my favorite game shows of all time. That remind I like it rings a bell, but I can't totally remember it. What did you so, look? Did you look at a picture? No, oh. no, this was, you had, I mean, you did the same thing where you answer questions and stuff, but you had to go into this giant house and like, say you were in the bathroom and you had to find something. You had to find yeah. like uh, a ring. It was like a cross section. Oh my gosh, that's right. When you mentioned Funhouse, I was like, it, I couldn't remember the like Funhouse Finders Keepers. Yeah. Yeah, it, it had the same basic outlook as as Fun House, where you saw the sh- you know you saw the insides of a giant house. Yeah, but but, but it, was Keep- it, would, it was like the bathroom, and but there was also like the crypt, and you know like it, yeah. all the rooms had crazy themes, and you would have to tear the room apart looking for the you know the flag or the uh, whatever it was that you were supposed to look oh for. Oh my gosh. Now, yeah. They had ridiculous things like in there, and you just had to tear everything apart. That was the whole yeah. thing was you just had to tear. And I think they gave you the clue of where it was. Mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the viewer knew where it was, but the the, the contestants didn't. If I think now that. about that was Nickelodeon as well, right? Yes. Yeah. It was eighty-six. Oh uh, it was. Now, it was at the same time as Double Dare. Now, the home versions of Double Dare and Finders Keepers, what did these consist? Because I seem to remember Double Dare actually had, like, individual games. Yeah, so the Double Dare one, I remember it had a thing you put on your head, and you would throw, like, rings at it. I mean, it sucked. Right, and right. And then the Finders Keepers well, Yeah, there was a tight nose full of boogers. Like. <laughs> <laughs> the Finders Keepers one was just, like, little boxes, like, maybe, I don't know, eight inches by four inches, rectangles. And so they'd be, like, a kitchen box and a living room box. And then you would, like, put stuff in the box, and then there'd be a timer, and you'd have to open the box and find the item. It was Awful. Oh, God. <laughs> it was so fun to be had in the Finders Keepers Home Edition. Oh, man, that's I hilarious. Mean, Finders Keepers, like, the home game is just like, hey, guys, the spoon is the thing. Yeah, I I'm going to go hide the spoon in the house. Yeah. I play the home version and you got to find the spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I play the home version every day. Where the hell are my keys? And it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to be at work in 30 minutes. Where's your keys, Adult finders keepers. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we've got to wrap this thing up. We, we've covered uh, some pretty good ground and certainly hit what, what I think are the key moments of Nickelodeon in the 80s. I want to go around now and each of us name our favorite or maybe most influential thing from that time or, or from what we've talked about tonight. Ryan, what was kind of the biggest one for you? I'm trying to think. I mean, probably, like I said, I remember Out of Control the most, and that's the one I remember watching. But like we talked about earlier, I think you can't do that on television. Probably set my humor up and what I thought was funny more than anything. And you can probably draw a direct line between watching cheap Canadian shows then and my love of cheap Canadian shows now. <laughs> There's a straight line from the Candy Dad television to Arrow, Flash, and Orphan Black. Well, and, and you know what else? 
is uh, you can't do that on television. Certainly is where you learned how to throw up and just keep going. It's true. <laughs> it's why I love up and then just keep going talking. It's a perfectly normal thing to people do. Uh, Bo, what, what about you? Uh, I gotta say that, that I agree. You can't do that on television was incredibly influential on me. Um, you know, taking the puppet stuff out of the equation, um, it, it gave my, it gave me a sass mouth and a, and a healthy disrespect for adults and authority, um, and a, and a love of gross out humor. Um, and then as far as the puppets, you know, are concerned, uh, You know, like I said, the the I want all my puppets to look like they live in the same world, uh, which they did on Pinwheel House, the same shitty world, uh, <laughs> as well as on Letter People. Uh, they lived all in the same shitty world, whereas, uh, you know, on today's special, they all looked like, you know, somebody rummaged through the bargain bin. They looked like puppet <laughs> at, improv. Yeah, at the puppet show, and, uh, at the dumpster outside the puppet <laughs> studio. and decided to build a show out of it. Um, but I, I think that, that as far as like giving kid like giving kids a voice and, and whether for good or ill, uh, especially now as an adult, um, but, but giving kids a voice and, and, and there's a help there's somewhere, there's a balance between, you know, kids rights, if you want to call it that, uh, and, and, and their ability to voice their opinion as opposed to, you know, kids should be, you know, children should be seen and not heard kind of stuff. And, 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 and kids being, you know, pretentious assholes. Uh, there's somewhere in, in between there, there exists a, a happy medium that I would like to think that, that the early Nickelodeon shows pushed me a little bit in the right direction. Uh, if not, completely over the edge uh, yeah definitely well well said uh rich what about you what was your big one well i think uh, i mean i think like everybody i mean you can't do that on television it, it was one of those things where it felt like it was it didn't talk down to kids and i think that's the first time i realized that in my life like hey this isn't like it wasn't trying to teach me anything it wasn't i mean it was just it, it was what it was and and i just I, you know that that is a great show and probably molded most of us to what we are but um you know i go back to it wasn't original programming but nick at night and dennis the menace man i i just i have more fond memories of those things than than anything i don't know if it was a black and white and i had never really seen black and white <laughs> but um but you know, as a whole, that that was probably the most influential. But but you can't do that on television. Is certainly the most, um, I think, on a culture, just great. I would buy full series right now if I could. Of you can't do that on television and stand by lights, camera, action. I, I would immediately yeah. go to Amazon right now and buy them if I could. But I would I would get today's special. I think I uh, would uh, maybe maybe. Maybe Pinwheel House, but the one just, just for the just for like the puppet nerd in me, I think would 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 get them. The the one that I'm going to pick for tonight's purposes is Double Dare, because over the last couple of years of hosting mm -hmm. a game show, I have realized that 
all I want really is to have an adult version of Double Dare. Uh, it, which is funny considering how much I did not like Family Double Dare, but you guys know the kind of game show I run. It would be a little bit different from Family Double Dare. I think you could include more slime in your game show, though. I wish we could. Uh, if only we had a budget for cleanup crew. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm serious. When we sit down, when we get together and make plans for the game show, most of our time is spent talking about things that are too ambitious for us to do. Uh, things that I will not discuss because this is uh, a PG-13 podcast. Is it? It is. <laughs> Sorry. There's only been one F-bomb. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, – but but I I, I think the, uh, the contents of the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show show are probably a bit further than I want to go on a standard episode of the Needless Here, here's Here's what you need to do. Your 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 the thing that's holding your back holding you back is the fact that Oz doesn't live in Atlanta anymore. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, you need a ho- you need a home base storage unit, and you need uh you and Oz needs to live here. Well, and we need people to transfer giant body parts to and from Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. And you need a puppet. I think it would be good with a puppet. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dispute that at all. So a sexy puppet. We gotta wrap it up. <laughs> uh Ryan, you will be returning in just a couple of weeks for our San Diego Comic Con wrap up show. Yeah, and I'm really wanna do a nineties one now. Yeah, we, I mean nineties Nickelodeon is definitely gonna happen, probably closer to the end of the year because we're starting to get pretty jammed up with topics, but uh we will for sure be covering that one. Mr. Richard Yule, where can we find you online? Um, well, really, you can find me on ESO Pro if you like wrestling. We have our own podcast. We're part of the Earth Station One um, network, so that's we do we do two times a, m- a month and just talk about wrestling, old and new, and just have a good time. And we can find you on uh, Twitter as yeah, well. Yeah, RT. Well, you can find my writing if you look up RT, and my last name is Yule E W E L L. I have some books on Amazon if you want to check them out, and that, that's usually how you can find me. And uh, finally, Mr. Bo Brown, we can find you as we can every year at Dragon Con, running the puppetry track. How are you? How are you right. doing there? Things are. Uh, I have some really exciting announcements that I can't talk about yet. Well, we'll um, we'll, we'll get to that when we do your episode of uh, the show. But we did just announce today that uh, the amazingly talented and sweet as a peach, uh, Karen Prell, will be joining us again this year. Uh, she is most known as Red Fraggle from Fraggle Rock, but uh, this year, since we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Labyrinth, um, she was the Junk Lady and the Worm uh, in Labyrinth, and we're really excited to have her back because she is amazing and awesome and really, really great. That is fantastic, excellent, and that's well, and we'll that's schedule. A- we'll, we'll we will be scheduling our uh, puppet track uh, episode hopefully soon, and. And hopefully have some uh, puppet guest interviews coming up soon. Yes, I look forward to it. All right, guys, that is it for Nickelodeon in the 80s. Thanks for coming on and talking about puppet slime and uh, grown-ups smoking cigars. (laughs) And uh, we will catch everybody next time. Good journey. Yes. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. All these looks back at, at the bygone era just makes me all maudlin and melancholy for some reason.
but I love it at the same time. It's fun to talk about this stuff and to share these memories with people who, who lived it and who uh, this stuff shares a significance for them like it does for me. And it's also interesting to come across that stuff that others remember that I did, like the letter people. I still, after looking it up, I don't know what the fuck the letter people are. I've, I don't know how I missed it, but I did. And maybe this goes back to the casket creatures talk about alternate dimensions and the difference between the Berenstain Bears and the Berenstain Bears. What is that all about? Man, I need to get the casket creatures back on this show. Sooner than later, that needs to happen. Okay, guys. So that's all I've got for you today. I hope if nothing... Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I hope that you are compelled to go to YouTube or to seek out video of some of the things that we talked about. If you guys check anything out, uh, go to the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group and let us know, and we'll talk about Nickelodeon in the 80s some more. I'll be happy to do it. Uh, drop me a line, phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear about. And I have a sponsor coming up soon. It's a product that I have reviewed that I feel good about. I don't want to say it yet because my URL is not yet set up so that I get money when you buy the thing that I reviewed. But keep an eye on the next couple of weeks. That should be active on the site and on here, and I'm pretty excited about it because these guys are pretty cool. I think they might sponsor the game show as well. We'll see. But as you know, sponsorship is what I'm looking for almost as much as your adoration. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.